Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 17 this morning. Our text will be verses 1 through 7. We'll read in just a few moments. I want to welcome you to Big Woods Bible Church online. This is, um, I believe, our seventh week in a row that we have been meeting in a very, very unique way. But it is for a plan. God is doing something. We may not fully understand it, but we are trusting him in the process. I want to thank you for being faithful. If you have been tuning in every single week, it is so important I think as well, and I just wanted to express gratitude for two men, both Dan Borges and Travis Best, for their faithfulness every single week in running the, the lights and the sound and the cameras. I want to thank um, uh, their families as well for sacrificing time, how you're ministering to the body, and that is so important. And just wanted to express uh, my gratitude uh, to you both. Now, we have a lot here I love this text. I've been excited about uh, preaching this text this week. And so first and foremost, we just need to pray. I need to pray and ask for the Lord's help. I know that Pastor Stewart led us a moment ago, but in constant need of our um, prayers for our eyes to be open to see and our ears to hear what God has for us to learn this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, again, we thank you so much for this day, a beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that it's your day. And as we are gathered in a unique setting, in a unique time, I pray, Lord, that we would lean into you more than ever before. That we'd be grateful for the many blessings that we have. We do pray, Lord, for our, our state. We pray for our country. We pray for the world. Lord, as so many are suffering at this time, and I pray, Lord, that people would not, not live in fear, but they would look to you. That they would come to a faith and a trust in you and in your sovereign plan. Father, we do ask right now, as our heads are bowed together, as your word is opened up before us and it is preached, I pray, Lord, that you would speak that you would be heard, that you would be the focus. I, I ask for help personally. Please just guard my mind and my mouth. May, may every part of this message be for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I was um, chatting uh, appropriately from a distance with a woman um, an older woman this week, she had recently been grocery shopping with her four-year-old grandson. And as they put their mask on and entered the store, he looked around at everyone else and he shouted, Hey, Grammy, we're all bank robbers in here. You know, just this week, we um, at home on a Wednesday, we need it, we need it. Some baby spinach. So my task was to go to the store to get some baby spinach. And this is, this is what I looked like as I was going to the grocery store. I wanted you to see this. And do, do you know what the strange thing is here? Is that this is not strange at all right now. So I ask a question. How strange is all of this? 
really when you think of it, we are living in peculiar times. But I want to tell you this. It's peculiar for a purpose. There's a reason here. There's a reason in God's sovereignty for this. And I think it's for us to learn some really important lessons in what I refer to as the wilderness of COVID-19. Number one, we are learning what? That God's providence can be trusted. You know, I think another lesson that we're learning this morning is that we are to never, ever, ever take for granted the gathering together to worship and fellowship of a local church. We should never take that for granted. I think we're learning that. I think we're learning the fact that, that, that we should never, ever, ever wake up on a Sunday morning, hit the snooze button, and roll over and say, you know what, I think I'll go to church next week. I, I think we're learning lessons like that. I think we're learning lessons about the fact that we should not complain about the guy who sits in front of us with a really, really big head, or the lady who sits next to us with bad breath. Or the guy who sits behind us who always sings off tune. Or I don't think we're going to be complaining about the fact that the lights are too bright or the air conditioning is too cool. I think we're learning. that We need to remember what? We need to remember this wilderness time. We need to remember this wilderness journey. We need to remember these wilderness lessons. There's another one for us. Today there's another one for us as we have been, in a sense, we've been with the Israelites in their wilderness experience. Let's pick it up in, in verse 1, Exodus chapter 17. You can follow along. The words will be in front of you. I'll be reading from the ESV. The Word of God says this. <clears throat> All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They, they are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. Moses did so. In the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of this place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? 
You know, with, with so much of Scripture, there is so much more happening than what you just hear and what you see in front of you. There is so much more happening in this text than thirsty people getting a drink of cold water. You know what's happening is that God is at work here. We have already seen rescue, redemption, we've seen salvation, we've seen celebration, we've seen provision. But we also see not only is God at work, but God is revealing himself. Remember if we go all the way back to how this story in a sense starts. When Moses tells Pharaoh what? Let my people go. And Pharaoh asks this question in just haughtiness and arrogance. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? And so God has shown himself. God is continuing to show himself that he is what? He is powerful. He is perfect. He's loving. He's holy. He's just. All of this with a repeated theme we have seen over and over and over and over again. What? That you will know that I am the Lord. God is revealing the fact that what? He is not to be joked with. God is revealing the fact that he is, he's not to be toyed with. He's not to be disrespected or disobeyed. He's not to be pushed aside. He's not to be relegated to the back seats. He's not even to be relegated to the passenger seats. That's why it says this in Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other I am God and there is none like me you see we get a glimpse of that truth right here in our text the Israelites in the wilderness and, and I, I don't have any doubts that this is hard the wilderness is zero fun the wilderness is hot it's, it's dry, it's rocky, it's dusty, it's bumpy, it's uncomfortable. And, and it, it seems like, it sounds like that there's, what, a bunch of really, really cranky people in the midst of it. Let me tell you this, if you hang around cranky people, guess what happens? You get cranky. The wilderness of sin. It says this in Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. I quote, the wilderness of sin through which they approach this valley at Rafidim is very barren. It has an extremely dry and thirsty aspect. Little or no water, scarcely even a dwarf fish shrub to be seen. And the only shelter to the panting pilgrims is under the shadow of the great overhanging cliffs. The only shadow, the only shade for these panting pilgrims is the rocks and the cliffs. You know, I, I kind of thought about us. You know, in, in a sense, we are pilgrims. We're journeying through this life, aren't we? Scripture refers to us as sojourners. Peter calls us tenters. And we all know it is tough in this journey. But in this text, we see, once again, God's testimony of amazing provision, graciously teaching us 
first lesson he teaches us is this. People who are constantly grumbling are hard to love. Yet God still loves. There is great truth to that. We've already talked about the fact that water is, is a basic need, okay? We don't have to go into the details. There's no arguing the urgency here. But we do need to look that there's a, there's a big difference between, uh, excuse me, could I please have a drink of water? There's a big difference between that and what is happening here where people are demanding. It says that they're actually, they're, they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. There's a big difference between, we teach our children that, right? Notice here the slide. From grumbling to what? They're, they're moving downward to quarreling. They're, they're moving downward to, to, to demanding. The old King James Version says this, the people did chide with Moses. So what's happening in this journey is that they're actually digressing from grumbling and mumbling to fighting and demanding. This is really where they're at. It's a problem. Nobody's denying the fact that what? There's a parched tongue. And there's what? A sweaty brow and sore feet. No one's doubting the hardship, but it's that last phrase that we just read, that very last phrase in verse 7, that reveals their heart. They ask a question, and here's the question in Exodus chapter 17, verse 7. Is the Lord among us or not? That is an awful, that's an awful, awful thing to say. Can I ask you this, when, when life goes a little different than you planned, when life is a little harder than you expected, could, could I ask you this? What do you do? What, what, what goes through your minds? What do you think? What do you say? Who, who do you blame? You ever find yourself thinking? You ever find yourself saying, I don't think the Lord really cares. If the Lord really cares, if the Lord really loves then it wouldn't be so hard. Wait a minute. Wait one minute. Hasn't God, hasn't the Lord Yahweh, I am who I am, hasn't he shown himself pretty visible? Hasn't he, he shown himself and proved himself to be pretty trustworthy? Hasn't, hasn't Yahweh proven the fact that he's pretty powerful? We're in chapter 17. For the first 16 chapters, God has been very faithful. We've been journeying through Exodus. We've witnessed the mighty hand of God displayed over the 10 plagues, over the parting of the Red Sea. Manna, last week we saw bread literally raining down from heaven. All of this has just taken place. And yet they have the audacity to say, yeah, I don't know about this God. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's real. I don't know if he can be trusted. I don't know if he really cares. Really? You're telling me, really? Yet it is here, once again, once again, 
that we see grace extended. Even in the midst of grumbling, we see in this text how God so loves us. A gift that is given that the people do not deserve. A gift that is given to people, not because of anything that they have done. A gift that is given simply because of who they are. We read this earlier. We studied this in chapter 7. Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. I will take you to be my people. To be my people. And I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord. The psalmist says this in Psalm 103, verse 13. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. This morning, if you are a follower of God, if you are a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have trusted him as what? Your Savior. And you have submitted and surrendered your life to Him as Lord. If you have received the Holy Spirit that has literally sealed your salvation and is indwelling you, then you need to be reminded that when times are tough and you question, let me tell you this, it's okay to question what are you doing, God? It's okay to ask that question. But as you ask that question, don't ever forget who your heavenly Father is. Your heavenly Father, He is all-powerful. There's no limits. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's sovereign. He's the creator of everything out of nothing. He sustains, he upholds all of creation. And he has adopted you to be in his family, to be his child. Do you realize what that means? It means that you are an heir. That you are royal. That you have been chosen. That you have been set apart that you've been numbered with the elect, that you've been promised an inheritance that will never fade, that you are counted as his workmanship, that you have been declared righteous. You are called the salt of the earth. You're part of the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. You are the temple. You're precious. You are beloved and blessed Beautiful. And most important, you are saved. Which means you are safe. You're safe. And yet we still, I still moan and groan. We still kick and scream. We still grumble and quarrel. People, let me tell you this. When your Heavenly Father chooses another path for you, when your Heavenly Father chooses a harder path for you than you would have chosen, you can be assured of this, that He loves you enough to know what you need so that you will live what more for His glory than for your own. 
you can trust in the fact that you are loved. And I know some of you have suffered. Even if you have been hurt. Even if you have been abused. Even if you have been lied to. Even if you have been left out and forgotten or abandoned. Please understand this morning. You will never be forgotten. And you will never be abandoned by your heavenly father. He loves you. Secondly, people who are constantly doubting are hard to provide for, yet God still provides. God still provides. The people are, they're, they're all questioning. But why, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us? To kill our children? Our livestock? You know what I have found is that in times of hardship, in times of true heartache, in times of genuine hurt, we can get pretty blurry. We can get pretty squishy in our thinking. Our minds are very, very powerful. And we can begin to say things when it's tough, sledding. We can begin to do things. We can begin to even believe things that are totally, totally just messed. That's why scripture tells us and speaks often about the fact that as followers of God, as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, even in the midst of difficult journeys, we are to be sober-minded. We're to be sober in our thinking, that our minds are to be in control. Young pastor Timothy struggled with a sense, I think, of, of worry and stress and of anxiety. And Paul wrote to him in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, and he says this, As for you, 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 young man, listen to this, always be sober-minded and endure suffering. He's talking about the fact that suffering is real. Suffering does exist. And he's bumping up suffering to what? Think soberly, think clearly, think controls. Peter writes this. Peter, I think we, you and I, you and I would, would agree. He kind of struggled with his thinking at times. And the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was so, such an amazing tool in work for the kingdom. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2, verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in flesh, in love, in steadfastness. This is important. Why? Because you know what was happening to the Israelites? Is that the sun, the heat, was beginning to, to get to them. Because they are saying some really, really dumb things. They're asking some really dumb questions. This is a dumb question. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Really? This is like the child who says, Daddy... Why did you move me out of the middle of the road? I was playing and having a really, really fun time there. Well, son, there was a truck coming. You don't play in the middle of the road. 
the, the Israelites, you're like, did, did, you, did you forget? Let's just back up a little bit. Exodus chapter 2, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. They cried out for help. It says their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenants. His promise with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think of the silliness of this question. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of shackles. I brought you out of chains. I brought you out of bondage. I brought you out of slavery. I brought you out of misery. I brought you out of certain death. I provided for you a means of escape, of rescue and redemption because I love you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying to show you a way of life, a way of life that matters. I'm trying to show you a way of life for all of eternity. You know, you know the negative, like if you hang around cranky people, you get cranky. That actually works in the positive. If you hang around people that are sober-minded, and you get sober-minded. That's what we need to do. Don't, don't ever doubt. Don't ever doubt. Even right now. No one would choose this. No one would want this. Don't ever doubt that God is going to provide. That God is going to be faithful. It may be different than what you think it should be. It may be different than what you want. But he knows. God knows what you need. And God knows what is best. Oh, the window was open last night. It was a beautiful, warm night. And I, I woke up to birds. They make a, they're like really loud, really early in the morning. And I was struck with Matthew chapter 6. When I'm thinking about, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to preach like 400 empty chairs again. Wait a minute. I wouldn't choose this. I wouldn't want this. But God himself says, Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 6. Look, look at the birds of the air. Listen to them when they wake you up by my grace in the morning. Look at the birds of the air. They, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Listen to this. This is underlined in my Bible. Are you? Are you not of more value than they are? Again, we see God's love for us. We see God providing for us. When you are on a journey in the wilderness and it is hard. Don't get squishy in your thinking. Do not doubt. God will provide. Trust him. Rest well. Doesn't that sound strangely familiar right now? Thirdly, and finally, people who are constantly sinning are hard to forgive. Yet God still forgives. 
I think one of the reasons I, I love this story, I love the details of this story because we see even with the emotion of people, we see raw emotion here. People are, are, are demanding. In a sense, they're, they're, they're closing in on Moses. It's almost like he can just feel their hot breath. They're shouting at him. They're screaming at him. They're angry at him. Angry to the point that Moses actually is afraid they're going to start throwing rocks at him. And yet he calmly, he diffuses the entire situation. He wisely asks, why, why, why you quarrel with me? Then he asks this question, why do you test the Lord? I'll tell you what, that, that is good leadership. That is great leadership right there. He takes the focus and the attention off of themselves and, and, and he places it where it needs to be. And then he does something that, that we need to do. He goes directly to the Lord. And we're not given the details here. I'm just, I'm guessing that he probably maybe went behind a rock. Maybe he just, he just slipped away somewhere where no one would see him and no one would hear him. And it says that he cries out to the Lord a question that every single one of us have cried out before. What do I do with these people? What do I do with them? They're grumbling, they're quarreling, they're doubting, they're testing. Moses knows what they're doing. They're sinning. Moses, what? Moses knows the consequence of sin. Yet Moses loves these people. And so that's why he coming, comes to the Lord and says, what, what, what do I do? What do I do with them? And God responds with such clear instruction. I love this. I need this reminder. Number one, go get some other people. You go get your elders. Oh, I love that. We're not in this journey by ourselves. He says, go get these men. You have them alongside of you. And then he says this, you go get your staff. Get your staff. This is the same staff that seems to have played a pretty prominent role all the way back. Same staff, what? When God was revealing himself to Moses, I am who I am in the burning bush. He said, throw your staff down and turn it into a snake. It's that staff. The same staff that turned the Nile to blood. The same staff that parted the Red Sea. The same staff that we'll see next week as it's held up to defeat Amalek. And we know that Aaron also has a staff. We see his rod at times. But it seems that Moses' staff is used in times of salvation. Aaron's staff seems to be used in times of judgment. That's the frogs that come as a result of Aaron lifting up his staff. The gnats that come, the hail, the locusts. But what we see here is that it's not Moses who can or will offer water. It's not Moses who's going to offer salvation here. It's not Moses who's going to offer provision. But it's God. I read it once. I'll read it to you again. You need to hear it. I need to hear it. Exodus chapter 17 verse 6. Behold, I will stand before you on the rock. Now, oh, there is such comfort 
to those words. I will stand before you there on the rock. He says, you shall strike the rock. Water shall come out of it. And the people will drink. I want you to think about this. Just as God stands before Moses on the rock, so Christ has stood before us and brought salvation. Do you realize that Christ is our rock? Christ is our rock in the wilderness? Paul actually wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He writes in 1 Timothy, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Just consider for a few moments in closing, look at the similarities. They were such, they are such in encouragement. As Moses struck the rock, so Christ was also struck. Isaiah chapter 53, he was struck down. He was what? He was afflicted. He was, he was pierced. He was crushed so that by his wounds we would be healed. By his wounds, by Christ being struck, we would have salvation. Look at the similarities here as, as the rock was only struck once. So Christ only died once. He only needed to die once. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. By this we all have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. As, as water flowed from his side... As, as water flowed from the rock, so water and blood flowed from the side of Jesus Christ. John chapter 19, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. And finally what? As water saved the Israelites, so Christ, who is our living water, saves us. Be encouraged. Be encouraged with these words that Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 4 verse 14. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do, do you see that? Do you hear that? In the midst of this dry, dead, barren wilderness... There is such blessing. There is such provision. There is such salvation. But notice that it, it had to come. It had to come through some hardship. It had to come through harshness of a wilderness. Do you see... Do you see God at work right now in your life? Do you see God at work in the wilderness that we're in? 
you know, peculiar times, no doubt. We look like thugs as we go by spinach. Peculiar times for a purpose. Let's not waste a moment. Let's not waste a minute of the wilderness journey that we are on. But let us see Christ as the one who offers provision and most importantly, salvation. I, I trust this morning as you listen that you know Christ. Some of you who what, last week were dying of starvation. Some of you this week are dying of thirst. And I would invite you to come to Jesus, the living water. Whoever drinks of him will never, ever, ever thirst again. Would you bow our heads and pray with me as we thank the Lord. As hard as it is, we thank the Lord for the wilderness journey that he has called us to. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I, I'm, I, love, I love you. I, I love the fact that your will is perfect, although we don't fully understand your sovereignty, and we cannot. We trust you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your provision for us. We thank you for your salvation for us. We thank you, Lord, that it's in the wilderness that we can see Christ, our rock. Thank you for that. Father, I would pray especially right now for people that are just struggling, whether or not it's an uncertainty in this very moment or whether or not it's an uncertainty with their entire life. They have no idea if they were to die where they would go. That today would be the day of salvation. That we would acknowledge the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior and the only one is Jesus. He was a lamb without blemish who died on the cross paying the price for our sins. We thank you. We praise you that you do not stay dead you rose again and Lord it's in the hope of our risen Savior Jesus that we trust every day may you go before us may you encourage and strengthen give stamina help us to be sober-minded help us not to panic help us not to live in fear help us to praise you even amidst this storm we ask this now in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen.